No way that was in sync. No, not even close. We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And we are smack dab at the end, not in the middle. Uh, we <laughs> no, are if you can end. be smack dab in the middle, you can be smack dab anywhere. Smack dab <laughs> in the beginning, smack dab at the finale. Yep. Uh, we are closing out sequelary, uh, the month of movie sequels that we review throughout the whole month of February because February is but a sequel to January. We are reviewing the 1987 sequel, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Colon, that's <laughs> what I want to see. And, uh, and we're doing this, I mean, honestly, it's you know very loosely uh, related to just Eddie Murphy's career. I mean, Beverly Hills Cop is the movie that made Eddie Murphy like a big movie star uh and so as we know coming to america 2 is coming out later and we're definitely going to review coming to america but we also wanted an excuse to review another eddie murphy movie Mm -hmm. and so here we are just in time for sequelary smack dab as close as you can get to almost missing it completely (laughs) um yeah no that's interesting that transition for eddie murphy i know we talked about when we did beverly hills cop but a lot of people don't realize that he is one of the superstars that transitioned successively. Successively? Mm-hmm. That's not even a thing. Successfully from SNL to being more known as a movie star. Um, right. And I mean, the 80s, the 80s were just an Eddie Murphy buffet. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah. If the buffet was full of oysters. <laughs> Because the world was his oyster buffet. I see. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a I, very... I think I successively mixed that <laughs> metaphor. So, uh, you know, this movie was made because, like most sequels from the past, the first movie did really good. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 was one of the most anticipated films of 1987. Uh, because Beverly Hills Cop, when it was released, was a massive breakout hit uh and so naturally what you do whenever you make a good movie is you make it again but different uh but they didn't want to make a movie at first paramount actually wanted to make a tv series uh based on the first film and like we mentioned he was a successful tv star actor gone to the big screen and Eddie murphy had previously done uh 48 hours and trading spaces and so he actually turned down the series because he didn't want to go back to television because like back in the day you didn't do that alec baldwin even makes a joke about that in 30 rock of just like something to the effect of like there's nothing more degrading to an actor than from going from being a movie star to being on television Mm -hmm. uh and so yeah it wasn't like now where there's zero difference right um yeah yeah uh and so they turned the tv show concept into a movie sequel because murphy was willing to do it uh and so uh simpson and burkheimer uh hired tony scott to direct due to his success with 
1986 blockbuster Heard of It, Top Gun. Uh, and originally, it was supposed to be set in London and Paris. Uh, but Eddie Murphy said that he was reluctant to, to film outside of the United States for whatever reason. And um, he made this movie. So that's why the movie was called uh, Coming to America, not uh, going to Africa. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe there was a licensing deal that we will find out about later that just said you can only film here. The Uh, song's a lot clunkier. Going to Africa. Yeah, it's, you really got to milk those syllables. So Eddie Murphy's salary to star in this movie that he played a role in producing as well and writing, uh, $8 million. Hmm. The cost of the movie as a whole was $27 million. Uh, it went on to have the biggest opening weekend of 1987. On, only on the opening weekend, earning $33 million in 1987 uh which you're probably thinking that's a bad avengers weekend but this was huge for i mean made a profit first weekend for a comedy yeah sequel yes which totally total box office was over 153 million dollars let me tell you third biggest domestic box office hit of the year following Fatal Attraction, and Three Men and a Baby. Oh, wow. Both great alternate titles for this movie. (laughs) It is! Yeah, because, I mean, what is Lutz other than a big baby? Yeah, really, really. Yeah, speaking of Lutz, the whole cast comes on back. Uh, You have all of your favorite characters. One of my favorite people, just to say his name, Judge Reinhold. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have Judge Reinhold. We have Ronnie Cox. Uh, coming on back and uh, the rest. I gotta say, as far as cast, one yeah. of my favorite actors in this whole movie is not a career actor, really. I mean, he was because of this, but it is Gil. He's credited as Gil Hill, but Gilbert R. Hill, who plays Inspector Todd, Axel's boss, yeah. he was a real detective and would later become the chief of police for the. Detroit Police Department. And so he was basically playing himself. He's, he's even quoted saying, the only difference between Inspector Todd and my real life is that I don't curse as much in real life. And so I was like, wow. there's something so natural about this guy. And then I, I looked into, I mean, he ran for mayor of Detroit at one time. Um, That's I mean, he's... It. Yeah, he's only, a shining star. Yeah. Well, his only acting credits are for the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. Right. He's only in Beverly Hills Cop one, two, and three, and he's out. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. Yeah, but he's hilarious. Just the way he screams at Eddie Murphy and yep. holds his own. And yeah, I was a, I was a big fan. So I I was going through the credits. I was like, I just want to know his name because for whatever reason, I don't remember him as well from when we watched. Beverly Hills Cop, the first one. Yeah. Um, I really only remember like the three main guys from a lot of it because that's where most of the hijinks is. But mm-hmm. this time I felt like the movie did a great job at kind of spreading out the funny. Um, and you get like Paul Reiser has his own kind yeah. of arc to it. But Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. yeah so. 
let's talk about that. I dropped through a crack in reality because today I saw Gilbert Godfrey in a movie. I don't know what it was, but it was like I was living in some kind of alternate reality. Yes. It's like in a movie? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that just doesn't happen anymore, but it was, uh, I love that scene too. What I, what I noticed about, you know, his interaction with the Gilbert Gottfried character where he gets the 200 bucks or when he first goes to the gun club and he gets the, the $20, uh, when he's doing the vitamin bag, uh, switch is that every time Axel makes money, he gives it away. Yep. He always breaks even. Yeah, you always so break. good. It's so great. So it, in case you um, are unfamiliar with Beverly Hills Cop 2 or how movie sequels worked in the 80s, it's the same but different. So Murphy returns as Detroit police detective Axel Foley, who reunites with Beverly Hills detectives Billy Rosewood and John Taggart to stop a robbery slash gun running gang after Captain Andrew Bogamil is shot and seriously wounded. Uh, so in the first movie, Axel goes to Beverly Hills to chase someone who murdered his friend in Detroit. He's trying to follow the lead and see why. And so... You know, wash, rinse, repeat, same thing, but different stakes. But in this movie, you really see the uh, the friendship that was formed from the first movie and then, you know, acted on. Because I really did feel like this is like just a sweet, just a much sweeter movie. Because I feel like the first movie was like revenge. But this one's like, oh, no, man, you, you mess with my family. I have to. Like, he went more out of his way. Uh, for this movie than I feel like the first movie. Yeah, and having the team around him too is the difference of in the first movie, it's like you don't belong here. And by this movie, they're lying just to keep him in town, like yeah. to make sure he stays out of trouble. So yeah, it's a much sweeter starting spot. Yeah, and, uh, and, the, and the whole movie just has a lot of really fun and interesting beats just because... Uh, I'm starting to notice more and more. We've reviewed quite a few movies on this podcast, over 200. Uh, and I, I realized that, you know, no matter how many buddy cop movies you watch, uh, each one is just slightly different enough to make you really have buy-in for those characters. Because Axel reminded me a lot of like Chris Tucker's character in uh, Rush Hour. Uh, how he he's just his biggest asset is that he he knows how to talk to people and he knows how to get into any room he needs to because he's well connected and he also is just willing to be really outlandish uh but i think the thing that makes axel just a really fun character is that he literally walks into every room like he owns the place mm-hmm. like he just even with his like Leatherman jacket and his Adidas. He'll just walk into a room with the paper bag and get the information he needs. I'm like, ow! I just, I love it. I, yeah, I that's, just absolutely love it. That's kind of the thing that I've always thought about with like Doctor Who. Uh, like yes. on that show, the Doctor wears stuff that is pretty much can fit into different. It's it's fairly time and locationally ambiguous. Uh, I never thought a Letterman jacket would do the same thing, where he can just fit in anywhere he goes. But the best part of this movie is whenever he's making stuff up 
And like the building inspector bit, or when he's Johnny Wishbone, the psychic, or the vitamins, or the Gerald Ford thing, <laughs> where yes. immediately everyone just believes his lie. Um, him making stuff up is, I mean, it's why the movie works. Yeah. And, and something that I really appreciate about this particular movie, which, by the way, Eddie Murphy didn't like. <laughs> Uh, in a 1989 Rolling Stone interview, Eddie Murphy said, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 was probably the most successful, mediocre picture in history. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he said it was basically a rehash of Cop 1, but it wasn't as spontaneous and funny. But, you know, to each their own. Uh, but something I really did appreciate, though, was about this movie in particular was how him being there made... Uh, Rosewood and Taggart better cops and ultimately kind of got them to stand up for themselves. Like that final moment when they're yelling at their police chief or when Judge Reinhold's character is yelling at the police chief. I'm like, this is great. Like they're standing up for themselves and they like, because the the beginning of the movie, they're just like these kind of bewildered. They're like, oh, Axel, it's, it's changed so much since you got here. We're the last of this old crew. And then now they're like, uh, kicking down doors, taking names, and you can just tell that they got their their fire back for what they were trying to do, which is protect their respective city. Uh, and Axel like helped them get there because you know he really cared about them. He's like, "This is how you do it." Like, I know you, I know your police chief isn't telling you that you can do it, but you need to know when to break the rules for the right thing. And that's what I really appreciated seeing him. Just like, wow, Axel is like their yoda yeah i i have not seen beverly hills cop 3 but based on how much all those characters grew in this second one because that was something we said i think in the first one we were like oh you could definitely tell why there are, are more of these because they didn't have that kind of personality changing or circumstance changing event but this one you're like oh they could have ended there and it feels really complete Absolutely. Yeah. And so was this your first time watching uh, BC2? No, B BHC2. BHC2, most definitely. Um, yeah. 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 Have you seen it before? No, I had not seen this before. Um, this was my first time watching it as well. Uh, but I, I just really appreciated, like, I think a good sequel, especially for the 80s, uh, just needs to tell a fun story mm -hmm. like uh especially as for a comedy and action comedy and i was really impressed because the crime that they were committing i lost track several times i'm like wait what's happening who is doing what why the alphabet killer what's this and so like when they are <laughs> describing what is happening and how the crime is happening i'm like oh this is i feel like this is actually diabolical because i the audience member who has all the same information that everyone else has, even when the people are telling you what crime they are committing, I'm not keeping track. Uh, I was just like, that's just really good. That's a that's a solid, yeah. complex, actual heist. Like, not since Ocean's Eleven was I as confused as to what is happening until it was all actually happening. Yeah, it had the same level of complex intrigue as like 15 episodes into a season of 24. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, I don't remember who is from <laughs> what country or why they want what they want or who is Jack Bauer still good? Was he ever good? I guess yep. it depends on 
the institutions you believe in and how we are raised when our role is <laughs> on this crazy rock. Oh, they're Where still going. do we come from? <laughs> oh, the recap. I missed the recap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's complex. I appreciated that about it because it, it really was kind of equal parts action and mystery and comedy. Um, so it, it's got a lot of different flavors to it, for sure. I And I again, it's sequelary, so we say this a lot. In the first one, I remember us making a, a similar response, whether it made it in the edit or not, I don't remember. But we're like, oh, yes. Oh, he's going for his friend. Like that. That's a, a really kind of sad, motivating, uh, you know, event for him. And it wasn't just. It wasn't like a Dumb and Dumber type thing where. But even that, even that has the Aspen speech. But you could tell it had like real life circumstances to it, um, especially in this one going because another friend or someone that he has loyalty to, which he calls out specifically. And the other two uh, partners is where's your loyalty? Um, we gotta, you know, find out who did this, and it's very selfless uh, all the way through. So yeah, and I, I think that serves the story, and it makes the character even more likable. And in the audience's eyes, he can do anything, get away with anything, and even referencing, you know, that he fractured a few laws in the past. He's like, oh, yeah, but he's good now. Uh, oh, man. So you just buy into it 100%. And, he, and he, I, I know I probably said this with uh, pretty much any 80s action movie. I just absolutely love any time a movie just does stunts where they actually just destroy a bunch of stuff. The car chase scene with the cement truck Who does that was one of my absolute one of my absolute all time favorite car chase scenes, period. And I haven't seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies, but I'm I'm sure not one of them has a cement truck chase to this degree. I'm just going to wager that that's that hasn't happened yet. Uh, Vin Diesel I, plays the cement truck. <laughs> they stick together uh, like cement. Like, perfect. Cement. I love it. But th- that move. <laughs> that, <laughs> that That car chasing was just one of my favorites. Just when seeing yeah. them like make the hard turns. And I've never seen a cement truck like drift or be just. Yeah. It was just so actually wild to watch. I'm like. Oh my goodness! Because I remember in the first movie with that big, uh, with Eddie Murphy hanging out the back of like an eighteen. Yeah, they had the truck door swing stunt again. I was like, oh, a little homage to themselves. I just, oh, I just love that. So that that movie, I think this movie's strength is that you know they're like, hey, like let's take people on a different ride. Like it's gonna be in the same theme park, but it's gonna be a different ride. And if you've ever been to Six Flags you know that like you're going to go on as many rides as you can. You still fasten in, you go up and you go down. Sometimes you spin around, but the experience is different. And for me, that's what Beverly Hills Cop 2 was. Yeah. It's fast and furious rodeo drift. Yep. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is from that sequence. (laughs) 
When Eddie Murphy yells at John Dreidholt, are you driving with your eyes open? Or are you like using the force? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, that plays back to your Yoda thing. He is like uh-huh. Yoda, isn't he? Yes, he is. Oh, man. <laughs> I also love that scene. It's like, you hit that guy. He's like, yeah, don't worry. I know that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy just like is so tickled. And that's the other thing. The chemistry between these three characters. Because in the first movie, they hated each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just seeing that r- relationship really change. Oh, And even just that whole fishing trip scene. Uh, where they're just talking on the phone. It's just like, hey, Axel, I'm going to have to cancel the fishing trip. It's like, oh, man, I was really going to show you all how to fish. I was like, I believe this. I really believe this moment. They are really friends. And that's that's our grumpy old man toss uh, crossover there. And they're just all fishing together. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop 4 Aspen Trip. It's happening. Last Vegas. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to have ourselves on headcanon. That Last Vegas is the distant sequel to Beverly Hills Cop. Wow. Speaking of headcanon, headcanon. Headcanon. Two. This time it's for Swinging from a Door Edition. Uh, headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, man, I, so one of the biggest things for the setting of Beverly Hills, it's a real place. It exists. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find it on a map. I would like to think that Beverly Hills Cop 2 specifically uh, is based on a true story. Solely mm. just from the idea that Beverly Hills exists in real life and uh, prove it otherwise. That it's not. Yeah, that burden of proof is on those naysayers. Because Eddie Murphy, he's so good at performing for all these different gigs. Just like, okay, let, let me let me actually ground some headcanon. Let me do some work. So, like you said, uh, Inspector Todd, listed as Gil Hill, he is an actual police detective, right? Yeah. He's a real detective. Eddie Murphy, in this movie does a lot of acting and he's a real actor so going by olsen uh quadruplet logic eddie murphy has to actually be a real life beverly hills cop i see i see yeah oh man now i just want to see true detective with (laughs) with eddie murphy Ah, oh, yeah. That would I would watch that. Yeah, well, it's similar to Chris Rock doing like Fargo now, and um, let's talk about that Chris Rock cameo smack Chris dab in the middle of it. Rock Cannon. cameo. Oh my goodness! How to just swoop in and nail it? Yeah, as the upset valet. Um, I. Uh, for my head cannon, I I went back to the well, Ricky, and I, I oh. pulled up I pulled up a formula that has worked for me time and time again because I could not look away from it. Mm-hmm. The bad guy's name is Dent. So as we soon just, as I saw that, I, I was like, well, Grace, Grayson is to going to have the best time today. It was just it was within the first four minutes of the movie, Dent was like, ah, oh, well, Grayson's yeah. got that. 
that bow tied itself. Um, <laughs> no, I at first I, I I tried to stay away from it, and I was like, no, it's too easy. Different first names, whatever. Um, but I think that this is almost like a an amalgamation of realities. It's like if you mm. cloud Atlas Batman and Gotham okay. City. Yeah, and they kind of mixed up into different components, or even like a lost season six scenario, um, where you have Harvey Dent, who when we're when actually when we're introduced to Maxwell Dent in this, half of his face is in a shadow. So <laughs> tell me that's not on purpose. Um, he, his name is Max Dent, and so I I see him as the combination of like Harvey Dent. And Max Shrek from Batman Returns, the Christopher Walken character, um, and he's working with the superpowered cat burglar woman. So it's Two Face oh, and Catwoman working together on this. Um, you also have a tech genius who is the daughter of a police officer who is shot, and so we got that whole Oracle connection and. A Commissioner Gordon vibe, and I tried to make right. Billy work as like uh, Billy's like a mix of like Joker and a little bit of Deathstroke and a lot of Poison Ivy. Yeah, and um, you should see his apartment. And so I just liked the idea of like, what if you took like the grittiness of Batman and Gotham City and just put it in the blinding daylight of Beverly Hills? Like, yep. what what does that look like? And uh, I think it's a, a lot like Beverly Hills Cop 2, <laughs> colon, the Pacific Night. Ooh. See, I I I love all of that. And, and you actually made me think that like that could be, because this could honestly take place in the same world as the uh, Burton Batman. Uh, mm. And just that, because Dent was originally a lawyer, and he's probably went down another path that his other family has gone down and so that could just be another dent and he was like well i'm not going to be another criminal uh i'm going to defend the law instead of breaking it or whatever um and so that leads him down there and then he just you know overcorrects by becoming just an actual costume supervillain. but that would be my headcanon is that adding like piggy banking, not piggy. It's not piggy banking. Um, it's piggybacking. No, but you know, that's good advice for everyone. <laughs> save, save, save. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna save this idea for a rainy day. Uh, but piggybacking off of your idea that this is taking place in the same world of the Burton, maybe even Schumacher, Burton Schumacher, Batman. That would explain all the jokes. It would. And credit cards. And the riddles. And the riddles. I missed. How did I miss the riddles? Well, they couldn't solve them, so they didn't really talk about it. Oh. I, like, I guess it's just a bunch of numbers with letters on the letter. But the numbers from the. On the. Yeah. He lies still. All right. Now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Okay. The thing. Re- re- recast. Re- re- remake. The thing that I, I couldn't wait to say was if you did extrapolate this out, like make it a whole franchise, 
and you it basically goes the way of like James Bond and stuff like that and it can't help but get dark and gritty by the end of it they've totally lost the comedy um, then uh, I, I would want that final chapter to just be called Broken Axel ah <laughs> uh, yeah the only comedy yeah. is the pun of yep the title yep yeah so here's the thing grayson i was about to suggest something because you say like make it a full franchise yeah uh and it is a franchise grayson uh because see typically you know in order for it to be a franchise it needs to exist outside of its initial medium Mm -hmm. uh beverly hills cop is a three movie series but in order for it to be a franchise we need to go into the world of like literature comic books or the way it actually did make its way video games in 2006 there was a beverly hills cop first person shooter game that maybe i'm hearing about for the first time um and based off of the ratings it was fine or this film has not this game has not yet been rated uh but that's what i was going to actually suggest is that they make this movie into a video game uh and you know it was made back in 2006 i think now would be a time for them i mean the technology like even if they were to go the route of like that ghostbusters video game where it's kind of like a sequel sequel um where you get all the same voice actors and you treat it like okay great in 98 or the early 2000s this they <laughs> they had to fight uh they had to do like the, was the y2k crime or something i don't know i don't know what happens but i would love to see that game be made uh because i i think that there's a lot of fun i think there's a lot of really interesting open world concepts because this is like a first person shooter so this was basically trying to be more of like a uh a james bond uh old school 3d golden pistol kind of era game instead of like a grand theft auto type of game which i think would have been maybe the better vehicle for it uh but I, I just think that that would have been, or I think that can be, the way that they make this movie, or make this movie to be um, a further version of the franchise. Or, or we do this. We do a Bandersnatch series. Oh, that's what I was just waiting to say. Yeah. <sighs> to be able to choose what clues you pursue more fun what lies you choose to tell and yes. all of the improvised nonsense that would come after that yes yeah and uh and it stars no none other than the person who i'm pretty sure we said in the first one uh lamorne morris yep uh, i mean there's there's really no other choice except for maybe donald glover but the expressions <laughs> yeah it's lamorne morris so i i went down to just recast uh, I think it's one of the a very interesting villain in this, um, and that's the the tall woman, uh, Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones and uh, from the Star Wars sequilogy, so the the new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I think, would be perfect for this. Yeah, yeah, she's a uh, Brienne of Tarth in Game of Thrones. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you can just really run the gambit on uh, 
a lot of these because it's 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 a it's a fish out of water story, but it also is it has to do with just you know how you know people pursue their jobs differently. It's a, I would honestly love to see um, if they could branch this out. Like I want to see a Beverly Hills Cop, but uh, but they do like Beverly Hills Chef. Uh, and it's just uh, basically just like the Beverly Hills series. And it's just like they they take different people who do things differently from different places. That would be fun. Yeah. It's like in a, and then they can Avengers verse the whole thing. It would really just be like that run of Power Rangers where they all have civil servant jobs. And it's like, yeah, what were they? Why, why were they doing that? Why did they? Why did they all have jobs like that? Yeah, yeah. I think you're referring to Power Rangers Wild SVU? Force. You, yes, Wild Force. Uh, you know what? Speaking of Power Rangers, no, this is happening. I wanted to basically do a Beverly Hills Cop, but uh, make it like Power Rangers, where each series and iteration is just a different thing, and so it just becomes Beverly Hills Cop colon uh, Miami Heat. And it's just like the Miami branch of Beverly Hills Cop, and it's only Beverly Hills Cop in name of the franchise. So it basically becomes a new uh, uh, CSI or NCIS, but except it's Beverly Hills Cop, and it's always a comedy, uh, it's always a procedural, and it just takes place in different parts of the world. I think if they did any kind of crossover for future sequels, I just want them to acknowledge that any time. Eddie Murphy is going to Beverly Hills. He is just down the street from Nakatomi Plaza from Die Hard. Can we please have Axel Foley just meet John McClane? That, that, that's all I need. I just need John McClane, Axel Foley, buddy comedy. You, why Die Hard when you can laugh even harder? <laughs> Half day, everybody. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Die laughing hard. <laughs> Die laughing harder. That's that's on the poster. People, pe- that's gonna be the tagline. But people will mistake it for the title. It's like, hey, give me one ticket for Die Laughing Harder. He's like, you mean Beverly Hills Cop colon Die Hard? It's like, no, I don't. I mean so, what the poster <laughs> says. So it'll be it'll be like a um, um, uh, vantage point, but they're two separate movies. One yep. is from John McClane's point of view. One's from Axel Foley's point of view. One's called Die Laughing Hard. The other one's called Laugh Dying Hard. <laughs> or Hardly Laughing mm-hmm. Die. Um, yep. Yeah. And Tomorrow no one's ever going to keep it straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I like it. Laugh, die, repeat. There it is. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go into the final segment of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Beverly Hills Cop 2? So, I recommend this movie because, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's got a great mix of the action, comedy. There's legitimate mystery to it and, you know, kind of that criminal intrigue of what are they actually trying to do. The characters feel... Uh, just enough elevated especially the villains they feel just enough elevated to where you're like this doesn't feel totally like reality but it's 
you know, like what Aaron Sorkin says, where he's like, I don't write dialogue that sounds like how people speak. I write how I wish people spoke. And so it's that kind of fictionalized reality um, that I think is really fun. Even the depiction of Beverly Hills itself is the idea of Beverly Hills. Same with Detroit. So I think it it nestles itself firmly in the comedic mirror of our world, which makes it relatable, relevant, but still has that arm's length distance of allowing it to truly be funny. Um, Eddie Murphy is the heart of this. It, it doesn't work without him. His moments of brilliance and just being able to speak off the cuff. And I mean, his weapon is his words. Uh, and he's able to kind of con his way into any situation and you love him for it. So if you want to see a, a really solid performance, comedic performance from Eddie Murphy, uh, and maybe you haven't dug into this series or this franchise um, just like we hadn't, I highly recommend you do so and check out Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I'd recommend Beverly Hills Cop 2, uh, especially if you saw Beverly Hills Cop 1. I'm just like, I would love it if they did this again. Um, then they made this movie for you. Uh, and it's also really fun to see Eddie Murphy... <laughs> just get to play like any like there are several scenes where people like i i can really just imagine the script says eddie murphy walks in and he needs to get to point from point a to point b and we just run the cameras as long as he needs uh and it's uh it's it's just it's a fun it's fun to see um him embody the character of axel and uh, really breathe life into a lot of these scenes and it's just fun and it's surprisingly heartfelt and uh, it will really make you want to go to Beverly Hills. This really did me. I was just like, maybe I need to go just check out what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Uh, Beverly nice. Hills. That's nice. It's got cops and ninjas and chihuahuas. And clearies. And cl- that was my experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This movie uh, has a lot of action, lots of heart, uh, and is really just has one of the most entertaining car chase scenes I've ever seen in my life. So if anything, really just that I'd recommend Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh my gosh, Ricky. Judge Reinhold's character is literally Beverly Hills Billy. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while. We, wow. And he never have I felt so hoodwinked during sequelary. Sight. Right there. Oh my goodness, Ricky. Beverly Hills Taggart. Oh my God. Grayson. Uh, yeah. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know what? I never questioned the name Eddie Murphy. But was he born Edward Murphy? No, no, that's impossible. It can't be. Is he like you where you're not Richard, you're Ricky? Yeah. Okay. Always have been. Always will (gasps) be. It was. Edward Murphy? Edward Reagan Murphy. 
Well, I think we all have a lot to think about. Yeah. I think we've I, learned uh, a lot here. Wow. Yeah. Largely names exist. Yeah. yeah. And Beverly Hills. I'm back. I'm back. The Adams family. Okay. Got it. Judge Rhino. Okay. Okay. And that is our review of the 1987 sequel, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Let us know what you remember about Beverly Hills Cop 2 on our social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. Shout out to people listening to us on iTunes and Podbean. We've been getting a lot of reviews over there. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thanks for doing your homework. You didn't have to. There's no grade yeah. or punch cards, but you did it anyway. So thank you. It really helps the podcast uh, be rippled out further, uh, maybe all the way to Beverly Hills. Do we have listeners in Beverly Hills? Yeah. We, uh, well, have, Beverly Hills adjacent. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's L.A. County uh, mm-hmm. in the area. Yeah. I mean, that the other side of Olympic Boulevard, when they showed mm-hmm. the map of where the – but like – southwest of that yeah do are we listen to where palm trees are there natively natively no not actually those were moved in from australia caused a lot of problems interesting that might have been something that a tour guide lied to me about when i was there but yeah no i that's a whole different podcast about ecosystems Okay, so are we in Beverly Hills or Australia? Either way, we appreciate you listening. And if you could leave us a rating and review, uh, on a scale of one to five uh, cement trucks being Mm -hmm. driven way past its uh, maximum driving capabilities, recommended driving capabilities, I'd say. Or one to five times of playing the theme song that because it gets better every single time the little i love it i love it yeah and that concludes this year's edition of sequelary but don't you worry the next month we have more retro movie goodness more headcanon more reviews uh, more callbacks and oh, so, uh, <laughs> callbacks to callbacks. <laughs> Russian nesting callbacks is what we'll that, have. That is, we need to get some Russian nesting callbacks. That that would be great merch. Uh, <laughs> so make sure that you tune in right here to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. It's like a Don Quijito inside of a season <laughs> one Luke from Modern Family. Don't worry about it. We're making it. $29.99. We're making it.